What is hidden in the darkness? Tricks full of ill will. You can't see the way forward. This is Legendary Adventures, a podcast all about playing through the mainline Zelda games. This week we're going to hunt some Poes before heading into the dark of the Shadow Temple. In the ruins of Castletown, in the former guardhouse next to the gates, there lives the Poe Collector. This cloaked figure appears to have a single red glowing eye. Its arms, legs, and feet are bare. It sits on a bed with ghosts above its head in cages. The ghosts float in and out of the cages, but always return, seemingly trapped by an unseen force. Who is the Poe Collector, really? There is speculation that it may be the guard who occupied this space in the past. That guard admitted that studying ghosts was a hobby of his, but we may never know for sure. The Poe Collector explains to Link that the Poes are spirits of concentrated hatred. He is willing to pay a lot of money for a captured Poe. The easiest place to find them is the graveyard in Kakariko Village. These, however, are not the true prize that he is after. In the future version of Hyrule Field, there are ten hidden, big Poes. They are not visible at first, but they will always appear after Link passes through an invisible trigger point on the map. They can be defeated with a few arrows and collected in a bottle. Each Poe is worth 50 rupees, and the Poe Collector will also add 100 points to Link's account with him. After Link collects all 10, he is awarded with a fourth bottle, and the Poe Collector will collect no additional Poes from him. After completing both the Forest, Fire, and Water Temple, Link can enter Kakariko Village to find a storm raging in town. If you enter from Death Mountain, the rain falls but nothing else happens. If you enter from Hyrule Field, a cutscene will play. In it, the village is burning, and Sheik stands at the well. Suddenly, a massive shadow emerges from the well, attacking both Sheik and Link. After the attack, Sheik explains that the shadow creature was sealed at the bottom of the well by Impa. Sheik believes Impa returned to the Shadow Temple to seal the creature again and teaches Link the song that will take him to the dungeon, the Nocturne of Shadow. When players enter the temple, they will immediately run into a dead end. A great stone door with the Sheikah eye symbol is sealed shut. This room is filled with torches. This is the first clue that Din's fire is a requirement for this dungeon. I understand it's possible to light all the torches using fire arrows, but it's not easy as the torches will burn out after a brief time. Once inside, players will run into a second hard lock on the dungeon, a hole passable only through use of the hookshot. They will then reach another apparent dead end. A message on the wall reads, the shadows will yield only to one with the Eye of Truth handed down in Kakariko Village. This is the hint the Lens of Truth is also essential to navigating this dungeon, directing players to go back and get it if they haven't already. I've honestly never reached this point without already having acquired the Lens of Truth. We acquired it in the previous episode of this podcast in order to reach the Spirit Temple, so we can go in no problem. Let's talk a minute about the music of the dungeon. There's a deep, droning bass and bongo percussion. That percussion is a hint towards the boss. The music's also heavy on synthesized choir voices. 
Male voices come in first, followed by female voices. This is one of the more melodic dungeon themes, though not as much as the Spirit Temple. It's also punctuated by a carnival haunted house sounding keyboard sting and occasional growling noises. It's all part of a clear horror theme for this temple. It spans four basement level floors. These are filled with skull textured walls as well as skull, rat, and bird themed decor, spinning blade traps with Grim Reaper figures, and guillotine traps. The Shadow Temple is, in my opinion, the most straightforward of any of the adult dungeons. It's divided into three distinct segments. In each segment, players will generally be able to advance until reaching some sort of dead end, requiring them to venture off into some side rooms before progressing forward again. Backtracking is limited, with players generally being unable to return to previous areas. That said, there are two puzzles that stumped me on this playthrough. I don't return to Ocarina of Time as often as I do some other games in the series, so I didn't remember the solutions when I came to them. Let's get to the first section and our first example of dungeon progression. Just beyond that first false wall, there's an impassable chasm. A door in the shape of a face is seen on the other side. It is gated shut. The tongue sticking out of the face forms a platform, but it's currently out of reach. Players must figure out how to open the gate and find the item that will allow Link to move far enough over the chasm to grab the tongue platform. In both cases, the lens of truth is the solution. Throughout the dungeon, the Lens of Truth is used not only to identify false walls, but to reveal invisible chests, platforms, grapple points, traps, and more. We can find a false wall leading to a series of rooms which hold both the dungeon map and the key item. The map is hidden in a room containing a re-dead and some keys. Defeating them reveals the chest. The key item is hidden in a room featuring a second mini-boss fight against Dead Hand. The tradition of reusing bosses in Zelda games is alive and well, but this is the first time within Ocarina of Time that the repeated boss wasn't found in the same location. For example, we had multiple fights with Lazalfos in Dodongo's Cavern, the Fire Dancers in the Fire Temple, and Iron Knuckles in the Spirit Temple. But here, Dead Hand returns from the bottom of the well. These locations are related, but are notably distinct and separate. There are extra hands this time that grab Link in this fight, but it's otherwise the same. After Dead Hand falls, players are rewarded with the dungeon item, the Hover Boots. The boots allow Link to briefly float in the air, but greatly reduce his traction, making any surface slippery. Back in the room with the impassable chasm, players use the Lens of Truth to find a direction they need to rotate a bird statue to open the gate, then use the hover boots to get over to the gate. From here, progress through the dungeon continues in a similar manner. Players will run into a dead end, generally locked door, they'll venture into a side room to find a key, and then proceed forward. There are three silver rupee collecting challenges, and frequent use of the lens of truth throughout. The second section of the dungeon begins when players enter a large room filled with guillotine traps. Players descend into this room, and it's designed in such a way that it prevents players from returning to earlier areas of the dungeon. There is a shortcut in a later room that will allow players to backtrack, but the unstated suggestion of this room seems to be, all you need to progress is beyond this room, stay the course. There are two key collection puzzles following the guillotine trap room which stand out to me. The first is the stone umbrella. Players will come to a trap room with crushing spike traps which fall from the ceiling before rising again. The trapped corridor is lined with gel cells. A sign offers this hint. Only one with the Eye of Truth will find the stone umbrella that protects against the rain of blades. 
the lens of truth reveals a stone block hidden behind a false wall. Players can push the block along the trapped path. It will allow him to round up some rupees and a gold skulltula before getting on top of the jail cells in order to collect a small key. The other puzzle is found in a room with a giant pot in the shape of a skull with blue flame shooting out of the top. There are stairs on either side of the skull leading to a raised area behind it. On top of this raised area are two bomb flowers, and I have to admit I didn't remember the solution to this room and I actually left it to search for a key before returning. The bomb flowers are the hint here, and I kind of overlooked them, but players need to blow up the pot by throwing a bomb into it. A key will be ejected in the explosion. This dungeon also introduces wind mechanics. Large fans shaped like goblin's heads which produce wind that blow Link back unless he wears the iron boots. A second set of fan lines the walls of the rooms with a narrow walkway flanked by a bottomless pit. This corridor ends in a dead end. In this room, Navi gives us a hint from the whispering spirits of the dungeon. Those who have sacred feet should let the wind guide them, then they will be led to the secret path. This is the hint that we'll need to use the lens of truth in the previous room, and also use the hover boots and the wind from a fan to reach a door on the other side of a chasm. Not long after that, players will reach what I consider one of the most memorable set pieces of the dungeon, the boat. Yes, there is a boat which sails down a small river inside this dungeon. In order to board the boat, players must move a block and to access a ladder. With the block out of the way, players can find a climbable wall which allows players to backtrack to the previous areas of the dungeon if wanted. On the boat deck, there's a Triforce symbol, clearly signaling players to use Zelda's lullaby. The boat starts sailing. Stalfos drop from the ceiling, and players can fight them as the boat sails on. As it approaches the end of the river, Navi warns the boat is sinking. Players can jump to shore, reaching the third section of the dungeon and continuing on. The boss key is found in a maze room. The diamond-shaped room has doors on each point. The walls of the maze are invisible without the lens of truth. The maze is also infested with floor master enemies. These are a variant of the wall master enemies, but they don't drop from the ceiling or take players back to a previous point in the dungeon. The boss key room is found on the upper point of the maze. It contains two walls of spikes which close in on the player. I once again did not remember the solution here. I tried to find a false area with the lens of truth, or a hidden grapple point, or various other things, but nothing appeared. I was on a bit of a time crunch that day to complete the dungeon, so in the interest of time I broke down and looked up the solution. The walls are made out of wood, and the key here is to burn them away with dense fire. It's my understanding that fire arrows will not work. A small key is found in the room opposite. After both keys are obtained, we can reach the boss. There is an endless chasm which must be crossed to get to the final locked doors. I used the Scarecrow Song to get across it. Players who don't have the Scarecrow Song can use arrows and a set of bomb flowers off in the distance to bring down a pillar and create a bridge. Once on the other side, it's just a short hop and a hover to reach the boss room. Players descend a pit and land on a massive drum. The drum sits in the center of a poisoned pool. This is the arena for the shadow beast Bongo Bongo. Without the Lens of Truth, only his hands are visible. Bongo Bongo will play the drum and attempt to smash, grab, squeeze, and punch Link. The Lens of Truth reveals the body of the boss. It hangs upside down from the ceiling. It is very muscular. Its arms are just stumps, and its head appears to be a featureless lump until it enters the damage phase. Then the head opens like a flower to reveal a massive red eye in the center. 
Players must damage both hands in order to start the damage phase. Then shoot Bongo Bongo in the eye to make it vulnerable towards sword strikes. Ice arrows can be used on the hands to make it reveal its eye. The hand will freeze and the other hand will work to scrape it off. And if players use the lens of truth at this time, they will see that Bongo Bongo's eye is open and they can shoot it. I never ended up collecting the magic meter upgrade on this playthrough though, so I mostly stuck to the standard arrows. All previous bosses in this game required the use of the dungeon item in order to defeat them. That would make using the hover boots in this fight seem logical. But in a change from all those previous dungeon encounters, they aren't really required. And in my opinion, the hover boots don't help either. I eventually switched to just the plain boots. I found this boss difficult. The Z-targeting lock-on did not behave the way I thought it should. I found it easiest to skip the lock-on when it comes to hitting the boss's eye. It didn't seem to want to take until after I had landed my first sword blow. I died once on Bongo Bongo, but on my second attempt, I defeated it. After the boss falls, players can collect a heart container and then teleport to the Chamber of Sages. Impa awakens as a sage. She urges Link to protect Zelda and says she will soon be revealed to him. With all six sages awakened, Raru then urges Link to head to the Temple of Time to find someone waiting for him there. I wonder who. We'll find out next week, but not before we take care of a trading quest to help us in the final fight with Ganondorf. If you want to follow along, please subscribe and consider sharing this podcast with another Zelda fan. If you've already subscribed, thank you. I really appreciate you liking this podcast enough to subscribe. I'm Paul Riley. I will see you next week. Mm -hmm.